Hey, listeners. Hello, listeners. Uh, first off, as you can probably tell, I got a shiny new microphone. So we're uh, official serious podcasters uh, now, which means we are legally required to buy the uh, podcasting co-host blouses Hold on, on Modcloth. I'm going on Modcloth right now. I'm going to see Modcloth. You're not going to fit. <laughs> it's never going to fit me. Okay. Um, well, not with that okay, attitude. So on, on that fun note, I do I do want to talk about something serious briefly before we get into our usual comedy fun times, clone mm-hmm. club shenanigans. I know a lot of people have been really happy that Wally West has been on Legends recently. I am too. He deserves it. And with that in mind, I'd like to talk about something I found out recently about my favorite Flash artist, of all time, William Messner Loeb's, mm-hmm. who was responsible for drawing some of the best Wally West stories and my personal favorites um, in the larger Flash canon. And at this point, I've read pretty much everything Wally's been in, so mm-hmm. that that's a pretty high bar. Uh, he is currently homeless and working as a janitor in Michigan with his wife, and they are effectively living out of their car because when you are a comic book artist, you are effectively considered a freelance employee. Mm-hmm. So once you stop doing drawings, that's they don't, you know, they these people, these artists who drew these comics and wrote these stories that shows like Legends of Tomorrow, well, sort of, and Arrow in name only, and the Flash kind of are using, or at mm-hmm. the very least, the characters are not getting any sort of fair pay they're not getting any sort of pensions they're not getting any sort of insurance um they're kind of just basically being cast off by the big two after they're no longer useful to them this is if you have the money there is a charity called the hero initiative that specifically helps out comic creators who have medical bills they can no longer pay or are in situations that just require them to get an infusion of cash um, to keep themselves, you know, clothed and fed and in housing um, or, you know, free of cancer or other medical problems. And it's a pretty good charity as these things go. Um, and it's also one of the few, I think, that donates directly to creators. Um, and it is something that if you have the money, I know not everyone does, but if you could please consider donating, I've already donated um, mm-hmm. For the sake of the people who made these stories that we continue to enjoy, I I, I would like to at least bring this to everyone's attention. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you don't have the money, that's okay. Thank you. I know. I know that was pretty heavy, but this is something yeah. that's very important to me. Um, he's a very good artist and a very good man, and yes. no one deserves to be homeless. That's very true. I did order the blouses. God fucking damn All it. right, let's go into the episode. <laughs> okay that so, was perfectly timed incidentally i know thank you you know comedy is all about timing comedy it's all about the timing this job so i'm gonna do uh, a couple things we're gonna do some world building first because well, listeners um we're actually recording this episode a little late in the week uh first because ari wanted to receive their shiny new microphone and they said yeah. so crisp so crisp so but worth I'm it very and happy. then also <laughs> I I have had the my week was the craziest of crazies. Um <laughs> but 
you know, it's we, been tough. we did record a little bit earlier in the week and I just don't want to use the footage because I don't, it's not the kind of podcaster I want to be. That's fair. It's, it's the sort the of thing where I, I thought about, a, oh, sorry, you first going into podcasting. And now I, now our mythos includes a secret lost episode. It's not, I, it's not even like a fun, sexy lost episode. Mm-hmm. I actually have, because I have a bunch of obscure, bizarre special yeah. interests. I have this weird interest in like lost media or lost episodes mm-hmm. because the efforts to dig them up are so interesting to mm-hmm. me. Um, but the thing about the lost episode that we now have is like, it, I thought about it and I'm kind of glad. I'm sorry about the delay listeners, but it's one of yeah. those things where I am kind of glad we took the time mm-hmm. to stop and think about the episode because I think we had a lot of conflicting feelings and weren't really sure about where yes. our narrative was going. And it went from being, we have different opinions to this kind of sounds like overly negative and aggressive in a way that I didn't want to go for, even mm-hmm. though this episode did disappoint me in a few key areas. It did. And that being said, you know, like I think Ari and I are both very openly critical of legends of tomorrow. I think we actually created this podcast because we're like really kind of sick of people who make podcasts and who create comics media kind of just consuming it without criticism. Yeah, like, oh, it was so cool that Gorilla Grodd was in this scene. Like, these are people who are like the re- the end credit scene of Ready Player One starring yeah. Sans Undertale is uh, the greatest thing Every that has ever been Every word you put. just said in that sentence was violence. But yeah, I will really mention was. the only thing that you will miss in our last episode, and I say it now because I want to bring it up because I feel like we're going to make a reference. I'm only bringing it up because I feel like we might make a reference to it and then everyone's going to be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> So the only thing you need to know is that we did almost get in way too deep talking about Beat Bobby Flay. That's probably going to come yeah, up later. Son of a bitch. We had a really good fucking narrative. At this point, we should just have a Food Network podcast. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't we'll, know if we'll I want to be the kind of person we'll who has into a Food Network the coward podcast. trader Robert Flay um, later in the episode. Bobby Flay is a metaphor for um, the bourgeoisie trying to relate to the working classes. Um, and mm-hmm. yes. I, I don't, I don't even say Joey bad. Wheeler, the hero of the proletariat. Did you just say Joey fucking Wheeler? Have you never, you know, oh, Weevil is the metaphor for the. I'm, I, oh my God. I don't know what you're referencing. Have you but... I, I can't, I literally can't explain it. It sounds like incomprehensible nonsense. Yeah, it does. Thank you. Thank words. you. My brain it really is, like, does. Mad at me. So I'm just, I'm just gonna, I'm just, what matters is that Joey Wheeler is um, the communist boy band icon we need. And secondly, that makes perfect perfect sense. No, that's completely valid. Secondly, actually on a completely unrelated note, but something I found super interesting reading some (laughs) stuff about anime, um, the writer for the anime actually wrote that he had no fucking clue what any of the rules of the card game were when he wrote them and didn't give a shit. Yes. He specifically wrote them and stylized them like wrestling matches. Oh my god! And I, I thought about I that for a second. I was like, "That's the smartest." Much, when did you stop watching Yu-Gi-Oh? Like, when did you? When was your cutoff? Dual the, the Dual City arc. Yeah, same. Same. Because I think that was about when Four Kids did something during that period of time where yeah. I think it went off the air for three months. And when you're like eight years old, yeah, it, I was that, way that's too young death to death. fucking stay on I track. Really, with all this I Yu-Gi-Oh. was very bad at watching TV as a kid. I had no concept of what a season finale was. Mm-hmm. I didn't really understand yep. continuity or season. Ch- it was, I just, I took everything. So literally when I watched television, like this was a real world I was experiencing. So it just, 
fast. Oh, yeah. no, it that... was it was it was hard to watch the live action Sabrina. I feel that like you can tell how we feel about the episode based on the amount of time we've just spent talking about Yu-Gi-Oh. Well, because I really did. I do think it's really interesting that he he scripted them like wrestling matches because that's actually a pretty perfect. Like I go back and I oh, think. Oh, you know what? If we're like... still on anime, and this is why I'm kind of glad we recorded later because this revelation that you had is fucking game changing. Can you please tell the audience what you discovered about Legends in Persona? Son of a bitch. Okay. <sighs> um. So in Persona Two, which is the second Persona in the very popular series of uh, Persona Five which is just the one game and there have never been any other games. <laughs> no, uh, the Persona series in the second game, the larger crux of the game's plot is if you speak something into existence, it becomes reality. This is caused by uh, a friend of the show known as the Lance of Longinus. And um, Hitler is also a boss fight, which is the reason it had a hard time making stateside that that didn't really go over well. No, There's... we're not. I mean, and here's the fun thing is that I'm not, you know, a lot of people. I didn't realize the because here's the thing: States. the Lance of Longinus also shows up in Evangelion as like something, something with Shinji's mom and Lilith, and I don't give a shit. But um, there's there's this weird motif of the Phil Lance of Longinus. Phil Clemmer has been stealing up. from well, anime. Yes, and that's yeah. the real thing. But I do think, and the reason that anime Allegedly. brings up these weird Christian mythological obscurities, and I do consider them like almost mythological because they're not something that like your mm -hmm. average mm -hmm. devout practitioner of the faith is going to really know or give a shit about mm -hmm. well, on that note happy easter slash passover everybody um uh, check passover check pesach samak everybody um, my hebrew is horrible i never went to school for it it's all right because i was like i would like to wish you all a happy passover i'm not going to try to pronounce that i i i i happy passover everybody i think i would do a bad job and that would be disrespectful but um not as disrespectful as phil clemmer just stealing just, anime, yeah. left but and right, allegedly. But they're doing it. Like, Hideki Anno was like, I, I I have no fucking clue what any of the... Like, he went on record and said, we had no fucking clue of the theological implications of any of the symbolism we used. We just used it because it looked cool. Hey, was there an episode of television that happened this week? I... Not not importantly. Anyway, I wanted to call this episode Tetsuan Eva after um, the original name for Astro Boy because I am an insufferable piece of shit nerd. And, see, but... and that's why I want to keep everything in because I feel like we can't go into Tetsuan Eva without the weeb foreplay. I mean, fair. I think, I think, all right. I thought, are, are you, I, <laughs> and um, then the other thing is that I think we should just call the episode Orphan Navy. And I thought about it and I'm like, Orphan Navy is funnier because I get that that's going to be a joke that people yeah. other than me will find funny, mm -hmm. but um, I definitely still think of this in my head as uh, Tetsu on Eva I because think I, I think we should honestly do one of the ye old things. Like, remember how Teen Titans did an episode where they titled it Or? I think we should call it Orphan Navy or Tetsu on Eva colon My Life as a Teenage Clone Bot. Jesus. My Life as a Teenage Robot was one of those things I liked as a kid and like more now, if only because it had such a unique aesthetic direction. But mm -hmm. that's neither here nor there. We can go with Orphan Navy. Tetsu on Eva is only funny mm -hmm. to me. I, um, I like the long title. I think the longer it is, the weirder, the funnier it gets. I, I mean, it at gets. this point, we're just a Fall Out Boy song masquerading as a person, so, like, whatever. But anyway, let's get into the episode. <laughs> so, here's what I'm going to ask you to do, Ari. Please summarize for us what happened this week. There's a, there's a, okay. So, there is a, near the end of Peter David's X-Factor run, there was a running bit throughout his whole run about whether Shatterstar, Shatter, Shatterstar was Longshot's dad or Longshot was Shatterstar's dad. 
And eventually he resolved this by having a time paradox in which they were both technically this, their own son and father in that I something about parallel universe long shot oh game. Comics are a other, fucking mistake. Yeah, no, it was, I comics mean, here's the thing, bad. it was a very deliberate jab at like convoluted um You can just say Scott Summers, Peter. You can just yeah. say Scott fucking Summers. And it also, was, it was very clearly like a dig at that concept. Remember but when Peter yeah. David wasn't off the rails yeah uh peter peter david used to not be a horrible person and uh never mind but and that's all we'll say about that yeah but um that said i had a really strong feeling of that fuck it we'll just confirm everything at once in mm-hmm. one go mentality because you know for those of you who are somehow while listening to this and haven't seen the episode i'm gonna spoil it for you ava is a clone but also a robot and can fuck even though it's never and like sarah even says wait we had sex implying that like someone did engineer genitals onto a robot robot clone and like there's the other thing is like they basically just said oh is she a robot is she a clone fuck it she's both and there's a lot of weirdness to that. that i mean i actually want to say something i found really interesting about the ava is they're like it's the most perfect woman which is like not a great thing to say when she's like they the even most kind of acknowledge that it's a little racially problematic um this is actually a thing in mass effect too miranda um who is i actually really like her she gets some flack from um mm. people for being a woman but um i like her in and a she's video game how dare she uh, yeah um, it was kind of sad because there were a couple of female comic art web comic artists who I really liked as a younger teen who like also didn't like her. So I was like, oh, I guess she's not. What that does great. Control I, Alt Delete think about Miranda? I, I just actually, Buckley like, think it was, weird it was very not like other girlsy thing. And then I actually played the game and I was like, oh, I love her. <laughs> and, Hello, wife. You know, um, not like other girls is, is silly. You should don't fall into that trap. But in any case, that was something they sort of i i wish they'd kind of talked about the larger implications and fuck it you might as well have done the barbie principle where there were like variants like there was ava who looked like this and there was an ava that looked like that and there was but that would have required them to hire and cast other actresses and we don't have the money for that but that might have been a way of sidestepping that question like if you're just like her physical appearance can vary but her physical capabilities are Mm -hmm. what make her perfect or her mental capacity makes her perfect then then you don't have to worry about the oh god this is really racist but this is legends um and they don't have the time money or brain power to think that far through i actually did want to say something that i actually found positive about this is that I mean, I actually don't know if it's positive or negative. I, I want to retract the idea that it's positive and just submit it as a neutral statement. That well, when we talk about the Ava, they mention that she's like, they list a lot of her good features, but she seems like she does a lot of security and service and they never mention that she's like for sex. Which is, which is it, the really, bar is that The low. bar is so low, but I was literally like, okay. Because like, honestly, if we're going to talk about Orphan Black really quickly, the whole plot of the like male clones is that they're like rapists. Oh, and so, you know, clone narratives actually do, and Ari will get into this in a second, yeah, more more sort of contextually, but, like, clone narratives usually have a lot of sexual text to them and a lot of, like, your body isn't your own kind of thing. And this was more just your personality wasn't your own. There wasn't a lot of sexual stuff. I mean, we did have the weird thing where she's being created, 
but it wasn't as like it could have been not worse. as bad as it could have been award well yeah and that's the thing is my Ava standards clone for this, plot. this my standards for that are really ridiculously low Please um, go into it. With that said, I will. There were a couple of things on the sign advertising her that seemed yeah. a little like, yeah. I it, it implied that she would that that the Avas were created for a variety of uses, and since they do have functioning genitals, the implication is there. Yeah. But it's nice that they never let it go further than an implication, and they don't just turn the whole fucking plot into her being like an escaped sex yes. bot because. I am so fucking tired all the time of being alive yeah, and I hate science fiction true. and I hate myself yeah, and big mood that and, and, and I hate men harsh, who write science fiction. What? I hate men who write science fiction. Most I of really, all. I really, I Kurt Vonnegut gets a pass and that's, that's, and there's probably a couple of other, all right, Chino Miel, there are some men who write decent science fiction, but we don't have are, time. You know what? Yeah. If, I don't have time. If they're for so great. The why is, the hell are they letting read, their peers like, get away with it? I have read so many goddamn fucking science fiction novels with sex bots on the run mm-hmm. sort of plot lines. Yeah. I am so fucking tired of them. They yep. are awful. They literally have no redeeming value if they are being written by a man. There's nothing valid or interesting being said about them. Mm. And the shame of it is, is that something really interesting could be done with a sex, like a sex robot narrative. If we touched on the idea of what this, our society thinks about sex workers and the, the just, just everything that goes into sex work and the idea of, and I'll get into this later when I talk about the larger ramifications of like a clone plot line and a clone Mm. motif and narrative. But um, mm-hmm. there's a lot that could be done with the sex robot storyline, but it's always just such cis dude navel gazing about, does this woman really want to fuck me or is she just programmed to love me? And does it matter? And the answer is, who gives a fucking shit in any case? It was nice that they sidestepped that, but I remember when we did the Lost episode version of this, you mentioned that this episode had a writer who was new to the show. Yes. And the more I thought about it afterwards, I'm like, that really showed. And Knowing that allows me to sort of recontextualize a lot of Mm -hmm. the episode because there were a lot of moments this episode that felt very awkward in an on a show Mm -hmm. that sort of relies on you getting to know the characters and getting comfortable with them and really enjoying Mm -hmm. them as people. It can feel very like jarring to suddenly be like they're not behaving like they normally do. Yeah. And it's not great either Uh, and and especially when it's being used for comedy purposes this isn't to say that the person who wrote the episode who's new should like never write again and should like but it's very clearly shame i hope that they can hone their skills a little more because they did have some light points but this episode was very awkward it was and that's the thing is it was it felt like a growing pains kind of thing like maybe this writer will go on to do better stuff and i think ultimately we have to remember that the writer's room is a team effort and this is the thing that really separates television from a lot of other mediums Mm -hmm. it is a collaborative process so generally speaking new writers are still gonna be kind of clunky but it's also on older like more experienced writers in the room to sort of be like hey they wouldn't really do that let's try to think about another way to do this scene with what you have in mind because it is more yes. than one person usually works on an episode. There's also the burden of this being the other writers. Yes, there's also the burden of this being so close to the finale and having to wrap up or not wrap up but like sort of move along literally like five different fucking yep. threads of Yeah. Like that, and that's, was, that's a lot a hard, to Yeah. I kind of feel bad for the writer to be mm-hmm. honest. It's really fucking hard to get handed in a, a show like this mm-hmm. with a plot like this and say, "Okay, try to resolve some of the stuff. Have fun." Mm-hmm. Like 
you don't leave a little kid alone with lit matches and a gas stove. You, you, you at least try to childproof. The they stove. literally did that this week. Yeah, no, I mean, part of this is on the writers. Like you, if this was a new writer, there should have been a little bit more of a stronger editorial voice, mm-hmm. but you know, um, it's the finale. So who knows what's going on in that kitchen? Oh God, nothing good. Um, the kitchen of doom kind of i i'm not sure how much you want to talk about the zari and mick plot line because i don't want it to get like yeah in the last episode i talked a lot about the zari and mick plot line and then i thought about it and i think i have a couple points that i kind of want to go over because i honestly don't think it's something that should have a ton of staying power you know no, I, but it's the sort of thing yeah. where I would want to analyze it in the context of, like, larger points I made about, like, the whole, oh, God, we have to do the very special episode gimmick. We where do character... have to do the very special yeah. episode so gimmick. So you first. I mean, like, it's sort of, there's two things that happen. Like, on the one hand, Tala is a Muslim woman who has been outspoken about this role, who is an outspoken activist, who, who I think clearly does have a lot of say in zari's faith and how it's interpreted on screen which is really nice so her speech about ramadan really resonated with me as someone who fasts for yom kippur because it just brings in a lot of sort of faith memories that i have and also sort of being a non-christian religion in the united states and sort of the misunderstandings that happen there that really spoke to me but on the other hand we also you know Ari has pointed out that we also are sort of writing for an, a larger audience. You know, this isn't actually, it's done in a way that is good for Tala, but it's not necessarily for Muslim viewers or non-Christian viewers. It's sort of so that Christian viewers can watch it and be like, oh, okay, I get it. Maybe we're not so different after all kind of thing. It was and very clearly It was not. kind of stupid for them to use Mick for that. I just feel like you could have had a much smoother, sort of nicer plot line. Like, I get... I think the hangry thing was kind of cute because, like, you know, I I remember because, like, my mom fasts and, like, on Yom Kippur, you literally just don't talk to my mom because <laughs> she's fasting and she's hungry. But um, I just feel like they sort of devolved Mick's character in a really weird way. Well, that's what I was going to get into and yeah. I wanted to let you get into, like, but that's, that's the number one thing I fucking hate with plot lines like this is and they'll happen in almost every single episode of any show that has ever mm-hmm. tried to make a point about something with fists of ham um mick gets turned into the obligatory character who has never been bigoted is suddenly sort of if not like i mean we're not talking like cross-burning bigoted but like that's sort of like clumsy microaggressions um mm-hmm. n- like baseless sort of like if someone asked me like what was between my legs kind of bigotry like no you're not staking me and setting me on fire um but but you're being a fucking asshole and making me feel like a non-human being and that is not some nick has always been rough and blunt and it kind of hurt like i think about it and i'm like i think it did hurt to see a character i sort of identify Mm -hmm. uh as autistic like really heavily autistic coded being because there's blunt and then there's cruel Mm -hmm. and to see that that the person writing this sort of mistook mix rough bluntness which is usually not very cruel for cruelty and bigotry and seeing looking at just stupidity he just says shit like that so he can just be a bigot for this episode because i need to have a way it was he's the he's supposed to be the confused viewer and 
number one, it's already a bad take and sort of making Mm -hmm. a character who has not been this way, that way, always comes off really cheap. And And two, yeah, like I think about it and it does kind of hurt me to to have him sort of be just this throwaway. Oh, well, he says stuff like that all the time. We could just make him say that for the Ramadan episode. Like, no, he doesn't say stuff like that. He's not like Archie fucking Bunker. He he isn't. He is a good person. He he has nothing. He's not stupid. Like we've been shown on this show several times that he isn't stupid. And so for them to and it wasn't even just like, oh, he's doesn't like it was a real honest dumbing down yeah that was it was insulting very to only the- role this episode was to kind of be a stupid foil for zari in a way that makes me sad because when we did here like, i go uh, again like her relationship with mick was really nice i just feel like it wasn't fair to zari and especially I mean, for a show that always has really natural character development and relationships yeah. it felt really stilted and awkward and stupid because it was but um i think it's the sort of thing where the more we talk about it, the more upset we're going to get because yeah. it wasn't really shitty for everyone. And ultimately, it was very bad. It was very messy. Yeah. I'm very happy that Tala was happy with what she got to have Zari yes. do in this episode. But I, I am not happy with the the larger arc. But because of the fact that I don't think it'll be relevant to anything else, hopefully, yeah. we can move on from that and talk about another weird comedy yeah. Like the whole thing. Okay, so here's the thing with Gary is Gary reminds me of Chaz, which is John's on again, off again boyfriend, um, sort of best mm-hmm. friend, sort of whatever in in Hellblazer, and he is sort of like doofy and earnest and like loyal, and and mm-hmm. Gary is too, which is again why they remind me of each yeah. other. But it's Gary was sort of set up as this. I he was he was SpongeBob, who is a very good fry cook, but he's just super fucking over the top about it, and like yes. that's Gary. Um, Gary is, really is Spongebob Squarepants. Does this make John Constantine I was, Squidward? I was actually about to say um, Ava is... Well, Ava is either Sandy or Squidward. Ava is maybe a little too Squidward to Gary's Spongebob. And I, I think know, she and it's this really her at some point <laughs> and she literally just takes the rest of the day off. And <laughs> she like, has to and have is, a lie down in her This own. is something that bugs me is that last week Gary and Ava were like clearly like each other's best friend and they like get each other in a way that Which the team doesn't get them. And then this week, Gary is like, and like, it does bother me because now that we know that he's interested in men, I think you sometimes have to watch for this like mommy complex that people write into men who are interested in men. And, and we that's don't know if it's, the weird thing is yeah. the writing is so inconsistent. I don't know. Yeah. If the, I don't know if the joke is supposed to be that he's bi or that he's gay but has this weird thing with Ava and that's supposed to be funny be, because she's gay. The joke is that this should not be a joke. Yeah, the, the joke, joke is, is that we all die. The joke is that and life life of, is a life is a joke and yeah. uh, we should just stop now. Yeah. Um quit while you're ahead kids. But mm-hmm. in any case, it was just very weird because like we got these like entertaining and sort of Yeah. The bare bones of Gary's personality last episode. We got mm-hmm. a good establishment of who he is and what he does. And then yes. the next episode they feature him in as a main character, they just throw away all of that for Put it in no the garbage. Reason. And they do the Doom World thing where I am they retcon it at the end because they basically yes. wipe his memory. But I yes. was a I was I I personally get very upset with that sort of easy yes. memory wipe kind of thing because it 
because I have memory problems because of my myriad of mental problems. Um, um yeah, I have the idea have, of yeah. non like losing memories without your consent is just deeply unnerving to me. And mm-hmm. given the whole thing we're going to go into about clones and autonomy, it felt like it was selling the episode's message about that short, really fucking hard by saying, Oh, by mm-hmm. the way, n- never mind. We're just going to violate your mental autonomy and just make you forget this. Like Sarah's intimidating him into like agreeing to not tell anyone would have been mm-hmm. like a funny comedy scene, but they just went for the lazy hand wave out. And I guess like, it's probably for the best just because everything that we saw of Gary in this episode took him on a completely like he was sort of turned into like this bumbling incompetent who was like weirdly sort of on again, off mm-hmm. again, sexually attracted to Ava. But the joke was like he wasn't actually really sexually attracted to her. It was so fucking weird. And I was like, like watching here, it, here's I was joke. literally watching it going, should I feel offended that they're trying to make a joke about him fetishizing an, a lesbian character and thinking it's hot she's into women? Or should I just be really confused? I'm going to be confused. Like, I need, and I do think, mm-hmm. I think the problem is, is the new writer saw the D&D jokes last episode and might have thought, oh, he's just a, like a loser nerd type. So I'm just going to write him like a loser nerd type who can't get with the girl he has a crush yes. on. Which wasn't the... <sighs> It was very fucking weird. And one last thing on the Gary thing before we jump into the clone stuff. Yeah. Clone stuff brought, and then also up in the lost episode. And it's one of the few things that bears repeating. I fucking hate when shows have a character make a reference to the word oh, shipping in the show. I not physically like want to stand up. I want to I want to climb into the TV and I want to kill them and then myself. Here is I the thing. Fully, I have never felt that. I have never felt a statement more in my fucking life. I. It is a combination of secondhand embarrassment, sheer hatred. <laughs> it is like. It is like. Imagine when I uh, like the. It's a it cocktail is like, of rage. It is. It is. It is such Would a you say cocktail of Brooklyn rage. Of, of I feel so much Brooklyn. right now, and it hurts. And here is the thing. Thank you for the Brooklyn Rage joke. It took me a second, but yeah, I appreciate no, it. It's an old one. It's an old one. It's, <laughs> it's so old, old that I'm one. almost like, are people still um, going to get that? Yeah. Is oh, Will yeah. Karibo uh, going to sue us? <laughs> Joey's voice actor from the dub actually said that's like his favorite line from the Abridged uh, yes. series, which I think made little little Karibo just fucking die. Um, you know, any- he's, he's bi. I think he should date Joey's voice actor. I think he deserves that as a person. Yeah, that's fair. Also... <laughs> I'm so happy that he's by that validates a part of my childhood. I didn't know yeah. needed validation, yeah. but it's there and I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. Anyway, that's, that's what you should take topic. away from this episode. <laughs> yeah. No, like legit. Um, anyway, back to hell. Continue yeah, back to hell. I hate it. I hate it. Would you say you hate it? Is- it? It is so <laughs> bad. Yes, Very. I do. Here is the and thing. And like, and everybody was treating it with like, I had to see the gif of him saying, I ship it so hard. So many and that's fucking the thing. It's like, times. I, think it's, I think part of my hatred comes from the fact that I know it appeals to the most obnoxious kind of fan. And I'm like, I hate you. Because it does, I, I think, you. as I've someone always hated been, you. Listen, I have been writing fanfic for 10 years now. And I, I did... I. I, Are we elitists or just hateful assholes? No, it hurt. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> need for like, you guys to decide. Up. But no, what I mean is, um, I've been writing fic for a very long time, and I think because I sort of mm-hmm. started writing fic in the pre-social media era, mm-hmm. there was a much bigger focus on not letting creators see your shit. Mm-hmm. Like that was sort of the general air mm-hmm. around all fan work, which was 
we don't want the people who are responsible for making the original work to ever see our mm-hmm. stuff. In a few, there were a few exceptions to the rule, but by and large, people did not want creators to see their fan work and know a fandom culture as a whole for for a, a lot of reasons. Legal reasons, um, homophobia was a big one. Um, George Lucas is a massive homophobe, so the big gay Luke following that came um, out of Star Wars was something he hated and sort of tried to quash at every fucking turn. So people didn't really want to let like Luke, like mm-hmm. queer Luke content being become a big thing because it, they didn't want to get like sued or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, in large part, I think because of homophobia um, and a variety of legal factors and also it's it's the you can't disappoint a picture yeah i mean he actually wants lavar burton to show up at their school to say hi to them like you don't want that interaction the and that only good interaction we've actually seen with fan work is charlie day um on the pacific rim red carpet Day's doing that put like t- it, it he put 10 years into my life and put god back into my soul mm-hmm. but that's that's a can whole we just explain topic. what he said really quickly charlie day was on the pacific rim um carpet for the sequel and essentially said that he misses herman and that they're in love and then said instead of being like oh i ship it haha said this is actually a really great aspect to the character it adds a ton of depth to him and herman as people and i th- and we played it that way because it adds something to the character and it was just such an understanding of what fan work actually does achieve and why mm-hmm. fans create fan work it's not about oh haha ha, i ship it he was really standing there saying this adds depth and that's and fan work i you and know fan no is one else will ever achieve that level of greatness no never i mean that's the thing is like fan work is about adding depth to a character so there is this sort of sense of like it's 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 like don't come in here and acknowledge my existence. You're embarrassing both of us. Mm-hmm. And so I hate when shipping sort of crops up in these in these like jokey references. Like don't mm-hmm. don't acknowledge me. Don't don't look at me. How fucking dare you yep. come in here and look at me? Um, mm-hmm. So it was super annoying. And also like there's a difference. It went from him being like a supportive friend to Ava to being that god awful obnoxious shipper on deck kind of character. Anime where I'm a like, fanboy. Uh-huh. And it just, it felt so mean-spirited and unnecessary, it and did. I'm just like... What the it, fuck has Gary done to you? Yeah, it was just really weird. Like, it well, was... it hope, was. I, let's hope we get our, our good Gary back. Yeah, I'm hoping this never, this never... I'm assuming 90% of this episode will never be mentioned again. Thank to God. be fair, 90% of every single episode of Legends is never mentioned again. Do you know that I completely forgot that Wally and Nate had a bonding subplot this fucking episode before the whole thing with Quasa? Because there are so many goddamn things going on in this fucking episode. Okay, well, let's just, of course, make a quick thing to say that Wally did say that Nate has a hard body. That was and, a lot. That and, was a lot. Um, and Keenan, 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 Keenan. He's if not, you're, if you're honey, listening to this, honey, he's not worth it. This, Look at he me. Can't, Look he at can't me. Do he can't dreams. love he you can't back. A, a man like I, that cannot love you back. A man with a blowout has nothing in his heart or soul for you. You have to run. <laughs> oh, I know. God. I know. I know. You look into those eyes, and he looks charming. He has a tattoo. He talks to you about cars, and you pretend you're interested <laughs> because you think if it's cool that he knows stuff. how an engine works. He can't love you back. <laughs> he, 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 this. 
Oh my god. Please. I hate this. I have to go to Easter dinner with all of my uncles on Sunday and I'm already dreading it. Um, here's the thing is at least Nick's Nick's tattoo is a cross on his shoulder. My uncles have the fucking Yankees logo, and I'm just like, I hope to I feel God like Nick someday. Would get the Yankees logo if he could. I he would. I really want them to Nick change Zano, the logo. Nick Zano get the Yankee logo tattooed somewhere on your body challenge. I, I, he really might. It might just not be on his shoulder, and that haunts me. That keeps me up at night. I don't like to think about it. Um, or he might be a Mets fan, but the the principle is the same. Um, if, if I, I would I respect him at least twenty percent more if he was a Mets fan. <laughs> That's fair. I I got distracted by the unrelenting horror of like a Guido with a blowout. Hold on, They're the Wally and Nate stuff was really cute, and the Quasa like Quasa talking to them was just really cute and nice and genuine. And she was doing a really good job being set up as like an anti-villain type. And then the end of the episode happened, which we'll get into. Um, yes. But I think we should probably talk let's about do Ava first. Stuff. So let's talk about clone narratives. Yeah. Autonomy, um, all that fun stuff. Let's get, let's get there's, the there's real the reason people listen to this podcast. Deep the critical uh, theory. The, the deep here's, metatextual critical theory. Here's the thing is I didn't keep up with Orphan Black because I, I, I lost track of it as well. I lost it track. Disappointing. And it, was, it, it, it just wasn't holding my interest, which is a shame. Um, no disrespect to Tatiana Maslany. Cause you know, again, she's playing 18 different characters at this point. Mm-hmm. She is her own kingdom hearts franchise. And I respect that in an actress, but I, just got struck with the gravity of what I said for a second because Tatiana Maslany is basically Sora and I'm tired. Um, but my Sora, point is how put some respect on her name. There's Sora like 18 different people is in Tatiana Maslany. Like the, the comparison is valid. Tatiana Maslany should voice Sora in the next game. Um, <laughs> it'll be let's really just, fucking let's funny. Let's just all go to sleep and never wake <laughs> up. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I didn't keep up with that clone narrative, but Ava really more draws from... Well, Ray did. He makes a reference to it. And, like, every time they make a reference to an outside piece of media that actually exists... I one, hate myself. A little part of my... It's, it's the same principle as what you said with shipping, but also it creates a plot hole because I'm sure that someone on that show has somehow appeared in the DCTV universe. And I just... Hamilton reference. Don't... Just to remind you. Just to remind you. Just, just you know, just to remind us all how, how soon we forget. Oh, Hubris. Hubris. It- you breeze. In any <laughs> in any case, um, Ava took more cues from the Stepford Wives. I think they actually do briefly mention it, um, or I imagine they did because mm-hmm. it's basically the Stepford Wives, but with like lady cops, robot things. I don't fucking know. But now, did you um, see the did you see the Stepford Wives reboot? It was awful. I was I was like just a little too young to really watch it when it first came out, but it was bad. It was very. Me. It was extremely bad. It was awful. Also, um. William oh, William Goldman, the author who wrote The Princess Bride, also worked on script punch-ups for the original Stepford Wives, which is something I thought was very interesting because mm-hmm. those are two fundamentally opposing forces of like narrative in my head. But there you go. The thing about clone narratives is they're very heavily gendered, and the way that they're gendered usually says something about the kind of story yes. you're going to get because of the binary assumptions of identity we have mm-hmm. um, that are stupid and dumb. And, um, gender, it's fuck it. It's trash. But in any (laughs) case, the thing about male clone narratives, I'll start with is they tend to be more, what is the nature of man and who is the man at the core of his soul? And can a robot really be human and dead? All that shit. And they're about struggles for individual identity and autonomy Mm -hmm. and a way of defining oneself. 
um, yes. in access to the idea of creation. And they're very individual narratives. They're mm-hmm. very, they're narratives that are like, this robot is real on like the faceless masses because something, something. I Will ran. Smith is and, usually there. Yeah. 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 Um, that's fair of like a lot of movies though. So I don't know if that's like a broad enough. Um, we and could, then we could not even phone. begin to afford Will Smith. No, 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 no. Oh, not even as a joke. Um, <laughs> I think even joking about it, he, Phil has to personally pay him. But <laughs> Suck it, Phil. <laughs> But um, the thing about female coded or feminine clone narratives is they focus by and large on the idea of a body that is commodified and objectified and lacking in autonomy, a body that can be endlessly replicated Mm -hmm. um, and the feeling of being completely replaceable in a sea of lookalikes, none of whom have any independent thought or free will. And that sort of speaks to I think a larger social anxiety that a lot of women and feminine coded people have Mm -hmm. but this isn't really I I think that's the thing is a lot of narratives set this concept up that is very like woven into the fabric of it but then they never yes end it like they never they never really make a broad statement about what that means for women um or feminine coded people and what that implies about gender relations and power dynamics because it's 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 they they tend to just stop at the idea when we talk about male clone narratives they tend mm-hmm. to sort of be about a struggle to define oneself in opposition to creation but female yes. clone narratives are more about the embodiment of creation they focus on creation mm-hmm. um because their idea, their obsession with the idea that every single woman has a womb and uses it and is capable of using it. And it's, it's, it's exhausting. It's boring and it's dumb, but that's about as far as we get in terms of self-reflexive examination um, for the most part. And it's a shame because there is something to be said for the fact that this is, if we think about the clone narrative and the rope, the, like the, like sentient robot narrative by and large as sort of man looking at themselves and saying who am I and what am I doing the fact that all of these female clone narratives sort of just go nothing except maybe having more babies uh is exhausting because they sort of come up against the horror of the objectification and the shittiness and the complete lack of bodily autonomy that a lot of women struggle with mm-hmm. and feminine coded people, but then they don't really offer solutions to it because it's then rare. Powish. Find, then powish. But it's the sort of thing also where a big issue is framing male clones. When we have male clone narratives or male sentient robot narratives, they are usually the crux of the narrative. It yes. is a story about their struggle to figure out whether or not that they're people. And w- when we have female clones, they're usually not front and center of the narrative. No. The fact that Ava got to have a, like any sort of revelation about her bodily autonomy and her, her, view of herself mm-hmm. is actually pretty good for legends because yeah. most of the female clones I can think of minus orphan black, um, which is a whole other kettle of fish. They tend to be, the female clones are not the agents of the plot. They don't move the plot along. Yeah. They're not individual agents. And that's where we come to the fact that a lot of these female clone questions are yes. not even sometimes being asked by the narrative. They're not really mm-hmm. ever being explored because they're not being written with the woman's story in mind. If the clone narrative sets up the woman 
the female clone as sort of disposable and mm-hmm. objectified, it it's almost celebrating that. There's no real there's no real examination of it or even acknowledgement. It's just mm-hmm. the narrative sort of making them that, that that way, which is kind of fucked. There's no sort of critique of it. There's no examination of it. There's no shot of, for those women yes. to regain any sort of autonomy. They're just there to be. And I can't, I really am like, I'm trying to sit here and think and, and I've read a decent amount of sci-fi. Well, I kind of, I have sort of two, I'm of two minds with this narrative, if you don't mind. Go ahead. So on the one hand, I kind of feel like Legends gives us this Ava backstory and then like, who knows what's going to happen in season four. Maybe this will be a plot point, but uh, let's talk about all the plot points from season two that they brought over this season. What fucking plot points? Thank you. Name one. <laughs> okay. Name one for me right what now. What sexy dress? I, but no, name me a plot point from season two that could have conceivably been a plot point in season three. Please, I'm desperate. The gang meets Jesus. That, ugh, I really, and I'm sitting here going, son of a fucking bitch. There really isn't anything, no, is there? Nothing. Like, there's I, absolutely I, nothing. It is a wasteland. Do not touch I, it. I mean, I guess the JSA. Yeah, like, them? Her? Yeah, I know, I know. That's really hard. That's literally going back oh, to the start. And we are going to go into how beautiful and amazing Amaya is this week. Don't love, you worry. Oh, don't you worry. I love my beautiful we're wife. Coming, we're coming to praise and exalt the most beautiful woman alive. But yeah, anyway, valid. the um, important thing is like, so on the one hand, I'm kind of like, okay, they gave Ava this backstory and it's kind of a rich backstory and they sort of gave it to her and she got to look at it. And then Sarah says, no, I believe in you. And Ava goes, okay. And we're probably never going to see it again. On the other hand, I'm not really sure I want Legends going in-depth with this clone backstory because I'm kind of worried they're going to just... Rick Perry trying to name the five departments of government. This is my favorite thing to reference. Rick Perry naming the five departments of government (laughs) at the 2012 Republican primaries. The EPA. The EPA again. The Department of Education. I don't think I would remember it as much as I do if Jon Stewart had not been so happy. Well, it was the sort of thing where, because I remember it too, because he had a, like, and I, I, it was, it was fucking wild. Like, listen, politics, politics is always fucking wild. Election seasons, I remember sometimes when other countries were like, we had a grueling 78 day election. I'm like, I'm pretty sure CNN is currently running an election 2020 story right now. If I went I downstairs and checked, I don't know what's gonna happen with the election in 2020. I don't even know if we're gonna make it that far. No, like, at let's... this point, no. But they're already airing news speculating about who the Democrats are going to run. And you know what? I'm tired. It's, it's me. gonna be. It's my uh, fucking. It's gonna bits. be me standing on uh, Cynthia Nixon's shoulders in a trench coat. Um. In any case, there was a point here, right? Um. I don't because the fact that is that Legends did at least let Ava question the concept of her own autonomy, but yeah. I do think they're going to continue bringing it up since Rip. They're like, why did Rip lie to us? And I'm like, first of all, he I think... loves you, and he's incredibly stupid, which is really all. <laughs> there I he have goes at this point. messing he's it up just, again. It's just really dumb. Name one um, thing, and he's very British, so he thinks the best way to solve the problem I mean, is to truly, never speak I about it. I literally read a Twitter thread about someone whose grandmother was accidentally married to three different people. And the reason she was married to three different people and that her family was just finding this out is because it wasn't proper to discuss marriages or past relationships. And so she would just say, let's not discuss it. Whatever it was brought up. 
<laughs> and if I had to pick a Rip Hunter. Oh, God. Oh, I'm God, I'm crying. If I had to describe <laughs> Red Hunter as a character, it would be, are you married to three people? Let's not discuss it. Let's not discuss it. Fuck. Um, that is essentially, at, the, at this point, I think his character arc. Um, I Also, it was weird because they sort of had, when Sarah and Ava were making out, they had that musical sting and that pan to him that implied he was going to be, like, love triangling this. And then they seemed to try to imply that Gary was going to be this and this. I don't fucking know. The I only solution that. is that Rip and Gary fuck. That's it. That's valid. John I don't. Has I hear to, the and thing John is and Constantine is the same, so it doesn't. It's fine. Um, it's fine. But um, the show is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> the show is a nightmare. Like and like, if you think we're being critical now, I think we're honestly being nice because we know what's coming this week. Oh, and oh, God! I've forgotten. Fattening our hatches. <laughs> I keep forgetting. Because we I know that forgetting. next week we're probably just gonna come on and be like, why don't, why doesn't nobody, let's just stop watching Legends of Tomorrow. <laughs> I hope our few remaining friends give up on if trying I, to see us. If we have us. a good thing to say about next week's episode, it will be a Christmas miracle. Um, I mean, here's the thing, is like, part of me, here, here's the thing, is if Gorilla Grodd and Barack Obama, um, revive Kwasa with, I don't know, the power of heart or something, I, okay, okay. That's fine. Yeah, let's go into Kawasa and Amaya because, like, first, if, are we are we good with Ava? I mean, here's the thing: is like, ultimately, I do think this is going to continue being a plot yeah. point. Um, I, I do think it was very nice that Ava, if only because Sarah and Ava aren't like quite back together yet. They're mm-hmm. like not a hundred percent officially a couple again. So I'm assuming that the resolution of this arc is going to be like with them getting back together. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. And I think we've sort of established everything that there is to really talk about, yeah. about clone narratives and, and that for now, because I do think it's still a dangling plot thread. So with that, we should probably hop on the Quasa train. Okay. So first of all, Amaya, like every person Amaya loves has died. I did. I mean, to talk about Amaya, you want to go first? Yes. So first of all, Amaya at some point, I assume during the finale is going to take one look, look at Rip and one look at Sarah and go, I have really tried to let you people lead for a while now and like 40% of the time you've actually done not a bad job but at this point I think I'm gonna need to take over because you guys have just I think hit your limit in capability and that's fair and that's valid I mean Sarah just automatically being like Omaya's the captain and like here's the thing when we recorded this on Tuesday uh the lost episode we had no idea that someone with turf bangs was out there writing a hate piece about Amaya because she wants to fuck Nick Zano that's just, that's literally disgusting. And again, that's, and like, and like, awful. and I'll say, we'll say to you what we said to Keenan. He cannot love you back. He cannot love you back. But also, I feel no sympathy for you. I feel no sympathy for turf bangs. No, no. You, I mean, you deserve you deserve to dance with the devil in his blowout. Yeah, you know what? I hope you do marry an Italian man. See how Have you fun. like it. See, see how <laughs> far know, that not like other girls say, gets hey. you when you marry an Italian man. Anyway, that's all the mention we're gonna give that turf bangs. Yeah, that's fair. So, I don't even want to give that attention. But so, Amaya... Oh, yeah. you first. Amaya is... I've also just realized I was playing with a ruler, so that's going to be great fucking audio. Um, Amaya is the heart of the legends. She is so compassionate and so kind, and she has been bending over backwards trying to fix things, only to make them worse. And, like, I and thought, isn't that really the legends motto? Yeah, but, like, it's it's... Not her. She was supposed to be safe. She was supposed yeah. to be good. She's supposed to be competent. 
Rip is going to claim that he handpicked Maya just because she's that good. Maya's like, I, you, I, you were Who gone you? when I got here. Rip's Who like, my hand-chosen protege, Amaya Jiwei. Like, here's the thing about Amaya, and this is something I'm kind of, I'm really glad that this episode touched on, if only in a context that I really hated, is Amaya is the only person on this ship who has actively suffered from being here. Everyone else has seen some kind of direct benefit to being yep. on the Wave Rider. Um, they've grown, they've developed, they've found new experiences or friendships or relationships or what have you. And Amaya has just suffered. Mm -hmm. Like she lost Rex because of the team's involvement. Uh, she she has Nate, but like this whole thing with Nate is sort of a, you know, she understands that it might not last kind of thing. And we don't know if it actually is or isn't mm -hmm. or whatever, if they're going to pull a Crom and Robin thing and change their fate and whatever. Who fucking knows? But thanks, Weeb. Shut up. But um, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong, but shut up. But uh, and then, you know, this whole thing with Mari and Kwasa, like she just keeps losing and hurting. And it's just very hard to see this person who is so fucking good mm -hmm. lose so much. And like, I really, I, 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 she deserves better and she deserves more. And like, it just sort of broke my heart to kind of see mm -hmm. her have that revelation that like my life has gone to shit because I've been on the ship. And that's a fucking shame because all of these people love her. And I think it really hurts them to yeah. think of the fact like Amaya has suffered from being around them, even yeah. if it wasn't like directly their fault, because mm -hmm. they all love her and they all need her, so it hurts them. But the like, moment in the seat when Mick and Zari realize Kawasa is dead, and they both immediately just think about like their thoughts are about how much that hurts Amaya. I I will have to say though, I don't think Kawasa is like dead for dead, dead, dead forever. If only because the fact that Nora took the... St there are a couple of things, and I only say this because this is a cape show. So there are a couple of things, and that's one, Nora took the stone and sort of absorbed its force, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. So them feeling the totems go dark might just be more that the totem's power had well, been drained. Well, she took it right out of Kawasa's chest is the only thing. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. I couldn't really, t I, here's, I couldn't, it, the lighting was bad and I couldn't really tell. The lighting was very bad. And like, here's the thing now is that like, if Nora does get a redemption arc, it's kind of tainted because Kawasa didn't get one. Kawasa well, like, didn't Kawasa get one. And Kawasa one, absolutely, but... like, no disrespect to Courtney, but Nora doesn't deserve it as much as Kawasa does. And like the fact that, the fact that, again, this is the sort of thing where it's like, even if they'd been playing Damien as this sort of like, you know, like funny evil dad type thing yeah, I just from say, the start, yeah. I wouldn't be able to forgive him because he still killed Laurel. And well, I feel like I we're just going to end exciting news. Hold on. Um, yeah, and ahead. I still feel like we're if if Kwasa doesn't come back, it's going to be that like with Nora, but with Nora. And then I'm going to have to accept her as a good guy. And like, I don't want that. Like, at least Damien Dark could still be a villain, even if he's try they try to turn him into a charming, goofy one, mm -hmm. even though he killed Laurel. But like Nora might end up being a good guy and she still killed Kwasa. And that's not. Well, Malice killed Kwasa. I guess. I, I get mean, you. It's, it's, no, and I get you because, like, listen, yeah. I I did my time in the war discord's piss. I understand, like, but it's the sort of thing where, like, it. Did you just say ward piss discourse? No ward discourse pits. So I understand the nuance here of like assigning. From now on, blame. we refer to it exclusively as ward piss discourse. Yeah, it might as well have been. In any case, um, g saying those phrase just made my brain try to kill itself. So give me a second. <laughs> All um, right, let me then let me get in a couple things real quick. Number yeah. one, I don't know what fucking happened with Damien and Nate, but I want it 
put it was weird. A, it was weird, I want to put and in I a barrel, like and I want the barrel pushed down a hill, and then at the bottom of the hill, I want the bear blown. The bear. I'm so sorry to bears. The barrel <laughs> blown up, and, and I, I have... want, and I want to never see it again. How dare you try to bring back like a Ray and Earbard kind of thing with no. Nate and Damien? How fucking dare you, Phil? Well, it was a really comedic bent on that sort of bits and so like it didn't really work as well in terms of being mm, problematic mm, and also no, you'll never you'll he's never still, get back he still killed laurel you, like yeah. ultimately like oh and that I, was I know my second talking, point is that no. on arrow nissa revealed that there are three more lazarus pits and i'm like i can't <laughs> wait to see how you people fuck this one up i'm so tired i I'm hate truly them so i hate me sick and tired of being a human fucking ba because so you know because like alive. they're like we have a Lazarus pit. You know what I'm going to do? And it's just going to be a fucking 30-minute episode of Mark Guggenheim just swimming naked in lime green water. And then I will actually commit a homicide. I And yeah, no, that's valid. That's valid. Um, here is the thing. is I am in hell and all of you are coming down with me. Yeah. The Kwasa thing is so fucking stupid. I don't even have the words because I'm so exhausted with all of the anger I have in me. She was so wonderful and she didn't deserve this and she better not be fucking dead because it is so creatively and morally bankrupt for them mm-hmm. to kill her for no good fucking reason. Because Amaya could have been motivated to save the, like, she didn't have to, like, there was no reason for Amaya or Kwasa to suffer like this. And there is something really shitty. And, like, the fact that we know that Nora is probably getting redemption arc, if they don't bring Kwasa back, like you said, it's just gonna, like, I'm not... I would like to have enjoyed her character because I found who she was as a kid so endearing, mm-hmm. but you've just, you, you just saddled her with this crown of thorns and I'm like, Hey, could you, Phil? And so it just makes me very angry and very upset. And I'm hoping that they fix this somehow. And like Kwasa gets saved because I'm not happy with that at all. Like there's nothing redeemable or good or necessary about it. It was just shitty mm-hmm. writing. And and just just awful. And Amaya didn't deserve that suffering, and Kwasa didn't deserve that. And I was just I I was and am still like very angry with how that was handled. Yeah. Um. And uh, it I if if Gorilla Gua- if Gorilla Grod saves Kwasa, then um I take all my criticism back about the Gorilla Grod episode, except for the fact that they. I have a question. Just- which one of you fucking thought it? Which one of you thought an Obama episode was a good idea? Which one of you thought an Obama episode with using a well- parody of the Trump tagline? was a good idea which that, one that of is you like, is that is like racial violence. that is like actually literally unsarcastically kind of violence with that said especially since like not to get too but like yeah. trump's whole fucking thing was literally just riding the wave of racist backlash that obama's election sparked um so I, it is I kind of like actually racial violence for this episode are not just low they are non-existent every other historical figure they've had has either been of varying historical accuracy such as merlin mm-hmm. or like a, a slightly older political figure they've they mm-hmm. when they did their 80s episodes they didn't usually like they never really referenced 80s political ronald figures. reagan didn't actually come out and talk to them no and that's a shame because it would have been nice to see Ma- mick Wright light ronald reagan on fire but like that's neither here nor there um um, but it's the sort of thing where like they didn't really use political figures from those time periods, so it wasn't really a big deal. But to have a modern his- political figure mm-hmm. on a show that is ostensibly about history and time travel, even though at this point, to have a figure like Obama, who was sort of 
venerated, you know, when, when his, when his first campaign, his first campaign made him into this political figure, like nothing that had been seen in, in decades. And like, he's a very iconic person already, yeah. but it's the sort of thing where it does feel sort of uncanny to try to have him as like a, a, a character on a ship. Like we can sort of think of care people from history that was like before 1970 even like people like because they had Lyndon B. Johnson in the Vietnam episode and I wasn't thinking oh Christ Lyndon B. Johnson is here because I can still kind of I was literally just like oh is that Lyndon Lyndon B. Johnson that's nothing like what he looked like but like sure whatever I guess pulling off the rubber mask Lyndon B. Johnson (laughs) (laughs) all right listen next next week the episode is just gonna be you're gonna be watching it and then someone with a bat in a hockey mask is going to be running around and it's me trying to stop this episode from happening. Next week is going to be a fucking dreaded. IGN did this. Yeah. IGN. I, yeah. IGN did this. I, IGN definitely. A gorilla grot episode would be one thing. A young Obama episode would be weird and awkward for reasons I've just previously mentioned, but not to have the gorilla grot and Obama episodes overlap after they just killed Kwasa for the, and and are still probably going to try to set up a, the a redemption arc for the white woman who murdered her. It's very bad. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is very bad. So I'm not. I mean, again, I know I said this about the Vietnam episode. I know I was wrong. But here's the thing about the Vietnam episode is we weren't quite as worried about like there was some stuff to be worried about in terms of racial implications because of like the, the connection that gorillas have had to a lot of racist ideology and iconography. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't quite as, I think, prominent in our in the concerns. It was more like this is just going to be a balls to the walls nonsense, like weird episode. And now the racial concerns are at like the literal forefront of everything that's wrong with this episode. So it makes me nervous in a very different way than the Vietnam episode did. Mm-hmm. And I just, I'm not looking. Forward I hope to. that our few remaining friends. I just, I just, I don't know what they feel like to save us. I don't know why they feel like they need to make this episode. Like I, I don't, and I, and like, and this is the thing, and this is why we have this podcast because all we see is bullshit about how fucking twee it is. Uh huh. And I mean, like, listen, I would honestly call this episode the. Uh, I'm so sorry. Let me go. I would honestly call this the podcast, the podcast for people who hate comics. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I feel like this is the sort of thing where it's like, if you need to try to convince your friend who unironically loves comics media that it's actually awful, ours is a podcast to listen to. Um, if you're going to do that, though, you should definitely donate to the Hero Initiative yes. if you hate comics so much. Um, if you're only hate-watching or hate-hate-watching, hate-listening to this podcast, donate to good charities anyway. Um, I am definitely... I I, and here's the thing is I don't even I it's not even like I can say oh it'll be like a funny haha disaster I'm like really concerned about the larger context of a lot of and the fact that Amaya is like going off to Zimbezi as well as yeah. I'm like oh is Amaya's narrative going to like implode on itself in the same episode as Grodd and young Obama are they just what's why I guess it's time to pack our bags and and listen and maybe next season this will be a Krypton podcast and uh wish. I mean listen, if Krypton if Krypton stays good, we will actually probably do a Krypton podcast. We were also, I think since we're pretty much wrapping up at this yes. point, we were also going to do over the finale now that I have a shiny new microphone so I mm-hmm. actually can talk. Um I am probably be going to doing some Disney anim- it's just some animation history podcasts, but a lot of Disney stuff. I checked out like 10 fucking books in the life. I said I was only going to check out 6 and then I kept finding books and I didn't check out 6. 6 is books. a lot of books. 
Dixon, I used to check out 20 or 30. So like this is. That's why you're so buff. That's valid. Um, a lot of these books are really heavy too. And I had to walk with them back to work, which was, which was fun. In any case, um, I had a point, right. I'm going to be doing some, uh, animation history stuff that Rachel would also probably yes. be coming to hang out and make fun of me for being, uh, I'm, I'm here for scale. Yes. Also because you're going to make a lot of really, uh, well-timed furry jokes, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, and also cause I don't, I, I, I just feel I talk better and I'm better when I'm with you just in general. I'm best but, when I'm with you. Exactly. Um, and, and we were going to do the lemons together. We're lemonade. Oh, that's so cute. But um, it's the sort of thing where we're also probably going to do a critical theory podcast and sort of an introduction well, to like what we mean we when we talk about Persona Five theory. retrospective. Once we finish it, I'm so I'm sorry. The last weekend we were super busy. I'm so t- I'm so fucking close. I think I actually was the one thing I can say is I'm kind of disappointed that it didn't go for a full Panopticon motif with Mementos, given everything we know about it. But that's I, that's not a spoiler. When we say we're doing a Persona thing. Five podcast, what we mean is we're going to be doing an hour long Goro Akechi rant. I listen. Um, Sai screens my calls, but <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand. She screens my calls. Okay. <laughs> Good night, but listeners. Is, you know, there'll there will actually be content from us during the hiatus. Um, so keep tuning in. We're also going to be making a separate Twitter for Legends in Review, um, where all of the podcast updates and clips and like outtakes and, and mm-hmm. stuff will be going. Uh, so look forward to that. And um, you know, once again, just one last time, if you have the money or you have the awareness, please talk about um helping set up funds for comic creators and what it means to take, you know, take care of freelance artists yes. and demand unions and donate to the hero initiative. If you have mm-hmm. the money and I promise it's the last time I'm going to bug you about it, but thank you so much for listening to us guys. We right. really appreciate it. Thanks for this episode. This was a mistake. Good night listeners. Mistake. Good night, everybody.